0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Great baseball yesterday, last night. Bob Costas doing the hosting duties. He will join us coming up. Astros-Red Sox afternoon. Braves-Dodgers game four coming up tonight. Dodgers won last night. Braves still up two games to one in the series. Astros beating the Red Sox 9-2. That series tied at two games apiece. Say good morning to Peacock. That's our streaming partner. Download the app. It's really simple. And you can watch the show for free. And uh, if not, our radio affiliates around the country should be able to find a station that carries this broadcast. There are nearly 400 cities around America. McLovin, the poll question for the final hour is, by the way, Thursday night football, the Browns will be without Baker Mayfield. And it'll be Case Keenum getting the start against the Broncos.
1: Okay, uh, last hour was, do you think Ben Simmons will ever play again for the 76ers? Mm-hmm. 64% said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are debating on this side of the glass, now that betting is legal, who would you bet on to win the NBA title? The hook is that the Lakers and the Nets are still favored over the Bucks, and then the Warriors are fourth.
0: Okay. Yeah, the Nets are still big favorites, then the Lakers, then the Bucs, and then the Warriors. Um I would probably go with the Bucks right now just because of the odds that I get. Plus, I have a team that basically brought back everybody. I'm not sure about the Lakers. I won't be sure until January, probably at the earliest. The Nets, I don't know. That'll be a work in progress, it feels like, the entire year based on what happens with Kyrie. Now, they do have names, but right now they're just names. You know, that roster has a lot of star power, they just don't have a lot of stars there, you know. You know the names, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to produce at a high level, uh, even a, a good level, a consistent level. But you do have KD, who I think will be the MVP, and uh, you know James Harden. But last night, I didn't expect much out of them. You know, it was Milwaukee with the uh, ring ceremony, and uh, I figured that they would be hyped up. And Giannis looked great again last night. 32 points, 14 rebounds. His 98th regular season double-double since the start of the 2019 season. Tied for the second most among active players. Only the Joker has more. Stat of the day, stat of the day. What? Stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. top Uh. So we have the, uh, the news with the Cleveland Browns, with Baker Mayfield. It's his left shoulder that, uh, I don't know, separated or it's a partially torn labrum. But either way, this is a memo to all quarterbacks. You're not invincible. If you throw an interception, you don't have to make the tackle. You don't have to try to scramble and get an extra yard there. Live to see another day, another play. And the Cleveland Browns season could be hanging in the balance here with Baker Mayfield with that injury. Because unless he has surgery, that's not going to repair itself. As a proud member of I had my labrum cut on, I can tell you, even now, having my labrum cut on a couple of years ago, it's still not 100%. Even raising my arm up as I am now, if you're listening on radio, still brings pain. Whenever you have shoulder surgery, Now, this is his left shoulder. Whenever a quarterback has shoulder surgery, I have big concern because it's not an exact science. They've got hips down, even replacement knees down. When it comes to your shoulder and tightening it up, I I, I told this story that I have a a friend who is a a police officer, and he had to go back in to take his test. He had torn his uh, uh, rotator cuff, and he couldn't actually – bring his gun up to go back to take, you know, do the shooting uh, target practice. And he had to somehow (laughs) pass the test. But he said, I I couldn't lift my arm because they had tightened his uh, shoulder, his labrum too tight. And he said, imagine being a police officer and you can't, he couldn't lift it. He somehow passed. I don't know how he passed, but he said, you know, it's crazy that you go in and then you come out and you go, okay, I just had surgery and it's too tight. Even now, I mean, my, I still have discomfort in there. And it's been probably, I don't know, four or five years since I had this thing cut on, you know, here's Baker. It's going to be his left shoulder, but there's no guarantee that it's like, you know, when they say successful surgery, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that everybody who has surgery, it's like successful. You never hear somebody say, uh, unsuccessful surgery. Yeah, people people have that all the time. Yeah, Paulie?
2: I wonder if this is a calculated risk by the Browns. Baker made it sound like he was playing yesterday. That's the tone. Yeah. And Everyone thought he was. But they could maybe squeak out a win versus Denver with a backup quarterback, and then you're giving, because it's a Thursday night game, you're giving Baker two whole weeks
0: to rest up. I don't know if it's going to matter with an injury like that because he got hurt in the game against the Cardinals where he was brought down and landed on that shoulder. It's going to be there the entire year. Yeah, McLevin.
1: Yeah, it popped out twice against yes, the Cardinals. It, that, that's a weird part. Popping out sounds horrible.
0: Yeah. It's its not the popping out. It's when they pop it back in. <laughs> but it's not his throwing shoulder. But still, that will be with you the entire season. And yesterday, he was, you know, talking tough. Like, hey, I'm going to be the one here. In fact, here's Baker Mayfield yesterday. Only I know how my body feels. And if
3: anyone questions whether, you know, I'm hindering the team and going out there injured. That's just not right. So it's my decision. I get to say, you know, whether I'm able to play or not. And that's just how it is.
0: Okay. I don't know if that's how it is, but yes, you can question if he would hinder the team if he went out there and he's injured. But look, being a tough guy, although we admire it, doesn't mean it's always the best thing. You know, Kurt Gibson could have struck out. Willis Reed could have been dominated by Wilt Chamberlain in the NBA Finals. We we look at those and you go, you gotta be a tough guy and you gotta play. You know. Jack Youngblood playing with a broken leg in the Super Bowl. A TO playing with a broken leg. Like those things worked out that they played well, but it doesn't always work out. You can be a hindrance to a team. Yeah, McLovin.
1: I see a story with the Browns a lot that uh, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham don't have chemistry, that their timing always seems to be a little bit off. Yeah. It's, if they don't get together, is the ceiling lower for this team? I mean, if, if Baker comes back, I
0: don't think they need Odell Beckham. They're a running team, okay? They got injuries up front, and they're running backs. But if if you said I could have a healthy Nick Chubb or a healthy Odell Beckham, I'll take Nick Chubb every day. But if you have those running backs, you know, it. I thought that Baker Mayfield tried to get Odell Beckham involved to the detriment of the team last year, and I said that. They were a running team. If you want to do play action, great. And, and the run will help you with that. But they're not an explosive. I mean, Baker's not running Oklahoma's offense anymore. You know it, I, they They don't let him go out there and just sling it all over the field. There's a reason why they built this team the way they did. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. I would trade Odell Beckham. If I thought I could really get something in return, I don't know what the market is. Because we were fascinated with Odell Beckham because of one catch. Other than that, hadn't done anything. Been injured. But, you know, we, we have this fascination because he's a thing. You know, he demands that you click. But Odell Beckham, you know, there Jarvis Landry has been injured as well. He's, to me, more important to that offense. Odell Beckham is a fascinating town. But the key word is fascinating. He gives you the really high highs, but then there's the low lows there. And I would really consider if there's a market for him, you know, what could you get for Odell Beckham? Uh, if I get that salary off the books, he's just too inconsistent. There's, he's still living in the past of what happens happened with the Giants. And I don't think he's ever fully embraced that you're a Cleveland Brown as much as he keeps reliving what happened with the Giants. And maybe he's not doing it anymore, but. I, you can watch a Browns game and you don't even hear his name called. I mean he's got 14 catches. Now, I don't know if that means Baker is going, I'm not going to throw it to him now because I don't I don't want to zero in on him and, and and therefore I don't see the whole field. I don't know. But there's been a lot of, hey, this is happening. this could be happening. This appears to be ha- I have no idea other than I think they're a better team when they run the football and then they set up play action pass and then they play great defense. I mean that that would be the style that you would you would want them to run. I think they're not a let's sling it, you know, they're not a Dallas offense, they're not a Kansas City offense. They're a little bit more old school. And I know Baker doesn't have that, you know, personality. Baker has the personality if I want to throw it 35 times. I want to win games. You know, we want to be a passing attack. I just don't think that's how they're successful. Yeah, Paul. This really stinks
2: if you're a Browns fan. It's obvious, but like you went into the season, it felt like everything was oh, there. The yeah. defense is fantastic, yeah. and Miles Garrett's at his peak. And it just, you know, yeah. maybe it'll be better in six weeks when everyone's back, if everyone's back. But it feels, I, I would be in distraught right now.
0: You just don't want it to get too far out of hand. If Baltimore is legit, you don't want separation there. The Bengals are not a pushover. Steelers, we still don't know. Uh, Bengals have Baltimore in Baltimore coming up. So if you're Cleveland, you just sort of have to stay in the mix there. But every team has injuries. And we're, you know, six, seven weeks in. The uh, quarterback success can be fleeting. We know that Jared Goff took the Rams to the Super Bowl. So this week he goes back to L.A., And it feels like being a starter is a precarious position for Jared Goff. We've seen this before. Blake Bortles almost took the Jags to the Super Bowl. He can't even get a backup job. You got uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz. Darnold and Wentz in the middle of their second shot. Same with Jameis Winston in New Orleans. And maybe Trubisky gets another shot. But Jared Goff feels like he could be one and done in Detroit. He wants to show what the Rams are missing out on or what they should regret, but it's not going to happen. You know, the Lions, um, how about just pick up a victory here? And and that's a tough assignment against his former team. They're double-digit favorites here. And if I'm the Rams, I want to see Jared Goff because you know Jared Goff. And I don't know if Dan Campbell's actually going to sit him when he says... We need to shake some things up here. What does that mean? Usually starts with the quarterback. You're going to shake things up or you're going to fire somebody. I haven't seen or heard anything yet with Dan Campbell, but you're going to shake it up. Are you actually going to bench Jared Goff? Jeff in Detroit. Speaking of the Lions. Hi, Jeff.
4: Wow. Talk about an intro. Uh, hey, Dan, what's going on? You guys were talking about delivering babies. I got a quick. Story for you. Me being a police officer, I sneak out my district to go get this pizza from downtown. On my way back, I say I'm going to take Woodward Avenue. Cruising up Woodward Avenue, no traffic, right? Get pulled over from some ladies that are young and stuff. We pull over, ladies having a baby inside the car. Thank God it was the registered nurse driving by at that time. So I'm sitting there with the pizza. My supervisor pulls up. I'm thinking, you know, I just helped deliver a baby, blah, blah, blah. EMS is on the way. We got everything taken care of. The only thing he does is reaches in the car and say, next time you decide to be a start work, do it on your own time. This is our pizza and drives off. <laughs> Listen, I got a question for you. Will the Detroit Lions win? a game before the Arizona Cardinals lose. And another question for you. Who needed that victory worse on uh, Sunday, Jacksonville or the Raiders?
0: All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. I would say Jacksonville because I don't know how many opportunities they're going to get to win games. But the Raiders are a better team. But I don't know if it's one of those they salvage their seat. You know, John Gruden's gone, and now you win a game. And, you know, they're supposed to win that game. They should win that game. Jacksonville, they're not supposed to win any games.
1: Yeah, McClub. Did you give too much of a pass to Peter Schrager for saying Derek Carr is a strong possibility for MVP? That struck us as really hot.
0: I think he said that his third pick for MVP was Derek Carr, Peter Schrager of the NFL Network yesterday.
1: Yeah, but he said it's a dark horse. Watch out for Derek Carr to make a move on this. No, no, he's not not making a move. This feels like that team... Well, he
0: left out Kyler Murray. I said... You left out the guy who's quarterbacking the only undefeated team right now over Derek Carr? Yeah, Paul.
2: Derek Carr on pace for fifty two hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, eleven picks. That's not gonna do it.
0: No, it's not. No, no offense.
2: No. I'm a carist, you know.
0: Yeah, you are a carist. Uh what happens first? Cardinals lose, Lions win. I'd have to look at the schedule there. McLean, why don't you look at that? We'll take a break. Bob Costas will join us coming up. But I, I guess I would go the Cardinals are going to lose. I, I don't see the Lions. Unless somebody comes to town. Does Jacksonville come to town? <laughs> yeah, Paulie.
2: Ooh, the Lions have the Rams in Philly. Okay. And a bye week, which they cannot lose. Okay. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, Denver.
0: Okay. All right. All right.
1: Cardinals have the Texans this week. Okay. That should be okay. Then Thursday night against the Packers in Arizona. That is fun. Ooh, lot of then sauce. they go to the Niners, host the Panthers, go to the Seahawks, go to the Bears. So Packers game. Yeah. All
0: right, we'll take a break here. Bob Costas will join us coming up next year, 16 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com. Founded back in 1999. It's a family business founded by automotive engineers. Two goals in mind give you direct access to all the information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. And second, making the parts affordable by offering reliably low prices. And then you can check the box on both of those. That's what they do. RockAuto.com has the correct parts for vehicles of all ages. A vehicle that turns the engine off at every stoplight or has the battery installed in the trunk needs a modern AGM battery like those that RockAuto does sell. RockAuto.com and the batteries are delivered right to your door. So that means you're not wasting time and money hunting for the parts. You're not phoning. You're not driving. You're not waiting in lines. You just go to RockAuto.com at any time. They're there for you. Make sure you tell them that we sent you. You can write Dan Patrick in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know you listen to this award-nominated program. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. The great folks at rockauto.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Sunday night football, Carson Wentz and the Colts head to San Francisco to face off against Nick Bosa and the 49ers Sunday, 7 Eastern, NBC and Peacock. Who are the best set of brothers in the NFL right now? Now or ever? Now. Both Bosa's are pro bowlers yeah. currently. Okay. TJ Watt is all pro. Should have been Defensive Player of the Year.
2: J.J. Watt, I, I don't think, is making the Pro Bowl this year. Oh, I don't know. He's been a man
1: on He's a He's been balling out. Last two weeks. He's got that name, too. And then Trayvon and Stephon Diggs.
0: Trayvon he, and Stephon Diggs might be your winner. I heard a trivia question. The dark course winner. Yes. Uh, the last, they
1: both had touchdowns last week. Trayvon and Stephon. Yeah. One on defense, one on offense. It's the last brother pair to do that was in 2009, one on offense, one on defense. There's no way that I, that anybody will get it, but I'll give you a hint. Okay. One was a tight end out of Maryland who I know super jacked that you liked. Vernon Davis. And do you remember his brother was named Vontae Davis? He's the guy yeah. who quit. He he had a touchdown with the Dolphins in 2009. Yes. I didn't know they were brothers. Didn't Vontae Davis play with Buffalo
0: and yes. quit when yes. he was in Buffalo? He's the
1: guy we did that story right. He quit. He mid-day. quit at halftime. <laughs> That's Vernon Davis's brother.
0: <laughs> like, I, there's part of me that respects where you go. You know what? I'm done with football. I'm going to quit at halftime. Okay, we have a game before Bob Costas joins us, Paulie. Give okay. us the ground rules. This is the what will Bob Costas say okay. game. All I right.
2: think we have music for it, oh. if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, the question is, are you in favor of seeing an automated, digitized, whatever strike zone in lieu of the current umpire? Okay. I'm going to go first. All right. Bob will say something like, while it's obviously going to inevitable, I'm old school and against it because I love the nuance of the game. I'm not as verbose as Bob. Okay. Uh, Fritzy.
1: There is no way I can roll with that.
0: That's what Bob says. Yes. Oh, oh, roll with that. All right, McLovin, What's Bob Costas
1: say? Yeah, I think he thinks it'll interrupt the flow of the game too much. All right. But how do you think Bob, you know, states that? He said, uh, there's a rich tapestry of, <laughs> of balls and strikes, and this will unwind that fabric or thread. Okay, thank you. Uh, Seaton.
0: <laughs> I think he's actually going to take a much more progressive approach. Mm. And I can't say that the word exactly what he'll use, but the word inevitable, absolutely, okay. is being used. Inevitable. It, he's, he's, I think he's in favor of it, though. Kicking and screaming might also be used. MLB on TBS, National League Championship Series host, uh, joined by Pedro Martinez, Jimmy Rollins, Curtis Granderson. On-site, pre- and post-game, TBS's exclusive coverage of the National League Championship Series. TBS's Game 4 coverage from L.A. begins tonight at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, as we welcome in the great Bob Costas. Bob, how would you answer that question?
3: you know i thought that each of your compatriots had an excellent point and i do believe given the trend that we're now observing that it is inevitable that there will be some sort of electronic balls and strikes within our lifetime if i live another x number of years but yet as was pointed out there is a rich tapestry to the game, Dan. And I appreciate all of those nuances. The little subtleties of a catcher framing a pitch to make a borderline ball appear to be a strike. A pitcher working the zone, figuring out what that particular plate umpire has as his strike zone. That day, can I go an inch further off either corner? And so, yes, while it is inevitable it will be a blow to the game and to its connection to generational history. That's my answer, Dan, because that's what your guys want my answer to be.
0: But I wonder, though, Bob, we have the technology, but, but we want the umpires to get every other call right. But right. when it comes to the right. strike zone, we're sort of okay with it being loosely interpreted. Why?
3: You know, like yesterday, for example, it looked like, it looked like uh, Walker Bueller had Jock Peterson with strike three. Um, the replay clearly showed the ball had the corner uh it was an 02 pitch would have been strike 3 the at bat continued he got a base hit it was part of a scoring inning uh for the Braves you're right we want everything down to the micro millimeter uh in every other call where replay is allowed it's not allowed by the way on check swings and we saw how that happened uh the last pitch of the game in game 5 uh, in the division series between the Giants and the Dodgers i guess the resistance with uh with balls and strikes is whether or not they really believe that electronic strike zone is infallible um... Hmm. and there are some arguments about the depth of the strike zone and whether we can exactly get a guy's stance, what if the guy's stance changes, he goes into more of a crouch, He's, whatever the case may be, uh, the break of the pitch. Can technology perfectly capture that to where, okay, the plate umpire is 98% accurate, But can the, and I'm making that figure up, but let's say that's the figure, 98% accurate. uh, And electronically, if we're only 99% accurate, is that worth it? Um, And I'm not so sure that I'm as up as I should be on all the aspects of this uh, to be able to say that they've gotten it to the point where an electronic balls and strikes approach will be infallible. What was the move? If it's infallible, it's inevitable.
0: What was the mood like prior to Cody Bellinger's home run last night?
3: Dodger Stadium was about as quiet as 50,000 people can be. You heard murmurs rather than cheers. A few brave souls tried to get a Let's Go Dodgers chant going, uh, and it it went nowhere. When Will Smith and A.J. Pollock got hits and brought um, Bellinger to the plate, then the place came alive. And when he connected... It changed from a morgue into a madhouse just like that.
0: And I what is it about Bellinger? You know, like used to be the Mendoza line was the embarrassing number at two hundred. He's bat one sixty five during the season, but seventh inning on in the postseason he's become a different hitter. What what has gotten into Bellinger?
3: well, you know, he's, he's had excellent regular seasons previously. And this season, there was a combination of things, injuries, and then he couldn't get untracked. Uh, and now I guess he's just feeling it. What was really interesting, uh, the home run yesterday uh, that he hit off Luke Jackson, that pitch was up. And usually the book with Bellinger is, if you're going to miss, miss up, because he has that extreme uppercut swing, and he'll just lash a low pitch out of the park. And somehow he got on top of a pitch that probably was above the strike zone uh, and hit it 400 feet.
0: What's the biggest storyline so far of the postseason?
3: (sighs) Well, I, I think one of them would be if the Braves, who are still up, despite the fact that the momentum seems to have changed. The Braves are up two games to one. Uh, The biggest storyline could be that if we ever didn't realize it, we realize it now. This is a tournament. 162 games to get there. But already the team that won the most, 107, is out. Didn't even get to one step from the World Series. Out. Close series with the Dodgers, but out. The Dodgers won 106. They could very well be out the braves let's say could make it to the world series eighty eight wins was the fewest for any division winner and the red sox could very well as a team that barely qualified as a wild card the red sox could very well be their opponent uh... the old saying in sports it's not so much who you play it's when you play them it's a long season Uh, The way pitching staffs are used now with openers and uh, starters being applauded for giving you four solid innings, it's just a different game than it used to be, and more so than ever, especially with two wild cards, and maybe in the future there will be more wild cards than that. The postseason is just a roll of the dice.
0: How do you think history is going to treat Jose Altuve?
3: The longer his career goes and the better he performs, Uh, it's a good question. But the longer his career goes, the better he performs, Uh, the further it is in the rearview mirror. Uh, I think on balance, it'll treat him kindly. Uh, Carlos Correa said recently that Jose was somebody who did not want to hear the banging on the trash can, Uh, that he did not benefit uh, from that. But then there's the image of him coming around third after hitting that series-winning homer off Aroldis Chapman, and he appears to be clutching his jersey, and he's yelling at his teammates, don't rip my jersey off, Uh, and that led to speculation that there was some kind of wire on him. Um, So if Carlos is correct, maybe Altuve was uh, an innocent spectator um, who just didn't spill the beans because of the code of Omerta. But uh, if the thing about wearing a wire is true, and if we ever get a definitive answer to that, that could change the picture. But I think that, generally speaking, people's memories outside of those who feel that they were directly burned by the Astros Dodgers fans from 2017 whatever I think most will be forgiving because he's a terrific player and from all indications he seems to be a very nice guy
0: yeah but shoeless Joe Jackson maintained he never took any money and he hit 375 um, but you know what he's uh, he's paid the prices well uh, obviously barred from the Hall of Fame never gonna get in
3: yeah you know he was actually people don't realize this he was actually on the ballot in the early days of the hall of fame he was on the ballot hmm. never got enough support he died in nineteen fifty he he was still technically eligible for veterans committees until in nineteen ninety one Two years after uh, Pete Rose was banned by Bart Giamatti, the board of directors of the Hall of Fame put in a rule that said anybody who's on the permanently ineligible list is not eligible for the ballot. And that was obviously aimed directly at Pete Rose, since at that point, uh, Joe Jackson had been dead for more than 40 years. Um, You know, and (laughs) here's just an aside. Uh, I'm not a moralist on this. I don't know if I've talked with you about this before, Dan, but my dad was an inveterate gambler uh, of the guys and dolls, Damon Runyon school, he bet with guys named Blinky and Three Finger, who undoubtedly were connected to the mob, Um, and this is in the 1960s, and very often the mortgage rode on whether he would win his bets or, or lose his bets, so I'm not being a moralist about this, but within the last decade, every commissioner of baseball has testified before Congress that legalized gambling would be the end of sports as we know it It would be the worst thing that could ever happen. And now there's so much money available, they can't turn their backs on it. And not only do they embrace it, they promote it. And yet Pete Rose, who's in his 80s and who you wouldn't want to defend in every respect as a person, I'm not going to defend everything he did in baseball or outside baseball, he never did anything. So far as the evidence we have, never did anything that undermined the integrity of the competition as much as those who are still in the game and have been suspended but have returned, those who were on the Hall of Fame ballot, whether they get elected or not. Here he is on the outside looking in. How, How can this be made any more absurd? What would the harm be? If Pete Rose went on the Hall of Fame ballot or was eligible before a Veterans Committee, and if he's on the ballot, the clock should start from zero. He was never on the clock, so you should get 10 years on that ballot if you want to do it that way, or make him, given his age, immediately eligible for Veterans Committee considerations. And if people want to hold the gambling against him in light of all the present realities and in light of all the comparisons to other people within baseball and their misdeeds, let them do it, but at least let him be considered.
0: Well, I just wonder, and, and I, I've talked to the uh, previous commissioner about this, of further evidence did Pete bet when he was playing, which I believe he was betting when he was playing. And we know that he bet when he was managing. And he said, well, and years ago he, he told uh, told me and Keith Oberman, I bet on my team to win. Well, you can manipulate the lineup to help you win, Um and I don't – can you separate Pete as the manager betting on baseball with just Pete as the player and maybe we don't have as much evidence there that like, – could, could I put him in the Hall of Fame because he was a Hall of Fame player and you know punish him by keeping him out of baseball because of what he did as a manager? Is it, is it fair to split him up like that?
3: Well, in the big picture, I think you can, you can temper justice with mercy – uh, people who've committed heinous crimes, and I realize there 's an apple, apples and oranges aspect here, but people who have committed heinous crimes get paroled in less time than this, <clears throat> and we know that if Pete Rose lives to be one hundred in the first paragraph of his obituary will be the fact that he bet on baseball and was banned for baseball from baseball because of it. The price that he has paid in his life and in his legacy is enormous, so you know, you could take that into account, I would think. By the way, I asked Rob Manford that question about five years ago. Is there anything in, that baseball has on Pete Rose that the public does not know about? You don't even have to specify it. But is there something beyond the public understanding that leads baseball to say, to say no, this is a non-starter? And his answer to that was no.
0: Yeah,
3: our reasons are out there. We know what our reasons are. If I gave you
0: one vote, is. Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds.
3: You know, Dan, you ask such good questions. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've said this before. and I said it to you. Uh, some people with regard to Barry Bonds, let's say, uh... tom Verducci is one i've great respect for tom he says i don't care if you took steroids the last year of your career and you already had a record number of home runs if you ever did it once that's it as far as i'm concerned my position is a little bit more lenient than that when you talk about clemens and especially bonds you're talking about people who are on the short list of the greatest of the great if you shrunk the hall of fame by eighty or ninety percent on their performing merits, they'd still be in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, I could see voting for all of those guys, um, especially because of uh, the price they have paid to their reputations, the amount of time uh, that they have waited. Uh, I'd probably go... I'd probably actually go Rose, Bonds, Clemens in that order.
0: Rose, Bonds, Clemens? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But
3: with, with, with ambivalence. with ambivalence you know in the case of bonds it's a terrible shame barry bonds is a very intelligent guy and his baseball iq is at an einstein level and on his natural merits he'd be in the discussion of the dozen or so greatest all-around non-pitchers who ever played and think how much better his legacy would be outside San Francisco, where they love him seemingly unconditionally. But think how much better his legacy would be if he had hit 575 career home runs, you know, hit 295 lifetime, won all the gold gloves, had all the great seasons. You know, he'd be in the Hall of Fame, um, and he'd be he'd be close to universally respected and admired. And when Barry Bonds wants to sit with someone and talk with them, he's so engaging. He has that beautiful smile. Um, people who know him well talk about his charitable acts and how uh and how engaging he can be. But he did play a good portion of his career with a chip on his shoulder because of the mistreatment that his dad had received and because of some of what he saw uh Willie Mays go through earlier in his career, although now Willie is, is beloved by everyone. So there was a chip on his shoulder and a lot of that was projected to the media. But so what? Had he never used steroids, had he never turned baseball into a video game and distorted the competition, all of that would have been a mere footnote and he'd now be be at the top of the hall of fame pyramid it's a shame
0: i remember asking him about all of this information that you know he is you know his baseball iq and i said do you share this information with your teammates and he goes no because one day they could be my opponent, not my teammate. Oh, God. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well. Wow.
3: Yeah. Because tonight we're teammates. Yeah. But tomorrow we might would, would not be. we not sharing it during the World Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're trying to, trying to win the World Series.
0: Uh, well, have fun tonight, Bob. It's great to talk to you. And uh, thanks for joining us as always. Thank you, Dan. Take care. That's Bob Costas. Uh, he will be joined by Pedro Martinez, Jimmy Rollins, Curtis Granderson, pre and post game. That's on TBS, the home of the National League Championship Series, and Game Four coverage tonight in Los Angeles, 7:30 Eastern, 4:30 PM Pacific. I don't, I don't agree with him on Pete Rose. Uh, Pete has benefited uh, far more by not being in the Hall of Fame than being in the Hall of Fame. Like, he he has cashed in on this. He's infamous. Um, If he went into the Hall of Fame, nobody would care about Pete Rose. They wouldn't. But people still do. And people have strong opinions about him. But as a Cincinnati native, uh, soft spot in my heart, loved the way he played, but I just can't put him in. Do I think that he gambled on games when he was a player? I do. Because I used to bet through one of his bookies. Not the main one, but the secondary one. When he couldn't get in a bet with uh, this one guy in Cincinnati, he would bet through my bookie. And so I knew what Pete was doing. Or at least I could find out. Because I wasn't in the business back then. And my bookie, I could just say, because he would always say, uh, you know, something about, you know, what Pete was betting on. He would tell me. And I'd always go the other way. So I figured if I was going to win money, I had to go the other way from Pete. So do I think he was betting as a player? Yes, I do. And I just can't put him in the Hall of Fame. Great player. Wonderful player. But... and, uh, And I wouldn't put Bonds and Clemens in there, either. And I would give... Shoeless Joe Jackson consideration because he hit 375 in a World Series that he supposedly took money to fix. Imagine if he wasn't trying to fix it. He would have hit 400. Take a break. Last call for phone calls. What we learn. What's in store tomorrow after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The
1: podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Ah, uh, my favorite Tom Petty song. Would have been his birthday today. It's still his birthday today. Would have been 71 years of age. Learning to fly, but I ain't got wings. Great guitar player, though, Mike Campbell. Great. Created all those great riffs with Petty. Thank God my wife bought me tickets to go see Petty before he died. Uh He's just—he's one of those artists. He's—I've I've never seen Neil Young in concert, and I haven't seen Bob Seger. And hopefully, I'll get a chance to do that. Yes, he.
2: I mean, you're kind of treading on Paul's territory here with this, but
0: I know Paul just you know, found Tom Petty I don't a couple know if you years know, he, ago. He was just
2: listening to Tom Petty like last week. I kind of thought that was my guy, like <laughs> 85 Bears. No,
0: no, no. He's not. He's not mine. I'm just saying. I'm glad I. I Paul came in one day. <laughs> I think he was driving to Vermont or Rhode Island, yeah. and he goes oh man Tom Petty is so great and I go yeah
2: I've been a fan my whole life but then I started listening to like deeper cuts mm. and
0: okay. it was good feels you know, like feels like you're you're you, you want to make Tom Petty yours
2: well the first time I heard him I was in Los Angeles we were in like and I always thought the first five years I thought he's from California because I saw him on a billboard and on the Sunset Strip I was 11 years old and American Girl was on and all that stuff I was like oh he must be like a surfer guy from Los Angeles I had no idea he was from
0: Florida well, I remember in college, I was playing Damn the Torpedoes, you know, with uh, Tom Petty. Yeah. Your, your lava lamp? Yeah. Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes. Uh, let's see. Got a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Brandy
5: in Iowa is back. Hi, Brandy. Hey, Dan. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Hey, I want to preface this shower sheen challenge out to the Danettes, that oh. this is not a a knee jerk reaction after game one last night uh, because I've been bearish on this type of roster construction since Peyton and Malone joined the Lakers in the 03 to to try to go after a ring. But I would challenge a Danette that I will set the, the win total at 49.5 and, and take the under for the Lakers regular season record. I won't debate playoffs, finals because. I don't think they get there, but I want to see if anyone thinks they're going to, going to increase on that 42 win total. Ten less games, obviously. I what, the the
0: what is the over-under with Vegas here?
5: I think they have it at 52. Okay, They can look it up, but yeah, I think Paul, somewhere around 52.
2: Yeah, right a week ago, you could have got the Lakers over-under win total at 52.5.
0: Okay. And you're saying you're going to put it at 49.5? Yep.
5: Yeah, I don't think they'll get that. Magical 50. Everyone likes that 50. Yeah. So I wanted to see if anyone wants to take me up on it. Does
0: anybody want a piece of brandy in Iowa that the Lakers get at least 50 wins this year? Going once? Going two, yes, Paul?
5: I'd say
2: I wouldn't take that because they don't really care about uh, aspiring to win a certain amount of games in the regular season. Yeah, McLevin. So we get the Lakers over 50
0: wins? If they easy. get You get them 50. Well, oh, yeah, I'm on it. Okay, so McLovin will do a uh, a pie to the face, Brandy.
5: Sounds good. And, you know, I'll take one because I got my pie in the face last week as well. So we'll talk again in uh, April, May. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you, Brandy.
0: Yes, McLovin.
1: You know, there's a Twitter feed that keeps track of all this, that uh, of our bets. There's yeah. so many, and the callers are like, remember that bet we made seven months ago? Oh, we I never... know.
0: I know. It, it's just I have to be reminded sometimes. Mario has to write him down. Ryan in Honolulu. Hi, Ryan. What's on your mind today?
5: Hello, Dan.
4: (laughs) What do you have for Uh, me? I'm not sure what country Ben Simmons comes from, but he bloody sucks, mate. All right. Bob Costas on today. What a legend. Although the Sochi Olympics was a pink eye on his resume. I've got some uh, MLB playoff mock headlines for you. Okay. Red socked in the face. q down, roughs up, b down. <laughs> LA Dodgers loss. This time the winner is La La Land.
1: It's quiet here. <laughs> I know. It's quiet. Oh, I know.
4: Like, La La I'm going Land. Little League. This is my last chance. I'm going Little League. Hi. My name is Cody. They call me Big D, and I hit bell dingers.
2: It's the uh, <laughs> Aloha. That's, yes, Aloha,
0: indeed. Thank the kid you. Right? Of, uh, Little League World yeah. Series. Yeah, my name is yeah. Albert. I hit dingers. I hit dingers. Todd, what did you learn on today's award nominated program?
1: With the legalization and promotion of sports gambling, Bob Costa says it's absurd that P. Rose isn't put on the Hall of Fame bout for the Veterans Committee's consideration. McLovin. Everybody who does funny mock
0: headlines has an expiration date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Seton O'Connor. A rich tapestry. Rich tapestry. You got it. Uh, Paulie? May have taken one too many calls today. Um. Todd, what did I learn?
1: The Bucks championship ring costs about twenty-three grand, not 273600 <laughs> As, as thought. you thought. <laughs> what the heck was that
0: about? Well, we learned brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. They say good things come to those who wait. 2021 Mercedes-Benz SUV family proves otherwise. Takes no time to set up a test drive at your local Mercedes-Benz dealership. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz the best or nothing. Enjoy the baseball. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Talk to you then.